Hello, welcome to ISU Redbirds podcast. I am John Pemberton, former ISU Redbird from 1985 to 1990. I am joined by Steve Thate, ISU alumni from 1984 to 1988. I am also joined by John Diner, ISU alumni from 1984 to 1988. Hello and welcome to episode two of the ISU Redbirds podcast. Two, we've got two of them down. Um, in this episode, we're going to be talking about the new coaches. Uh, and then our uh, special guest is Kyle Cartmill. Um, I'd also like to inform everybody that if you like to find us or learn more about us, right, we're on the web at www.isuredbirds.com, um, isuredbirdspodcast.com. Uh, we're on YouTube at the same ISU Redbirds podcast, and you can find the, our YouTube video. If you go out and watch it, the video, you know, make sure you hit the like buttons, hit subscribe. And for podcasts, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. And if you don't have a or if you do have a favorite uh, podcast um, listener and we're not on there, just reach out to us and we will put that in there. All right, so we're getting started. We're starting off with episode two, and I'm excited. So, John, take it away with coaches. All right, so we're going to be talking about uh, Ryan Peden, our uh, uh, our new head coach, um, and a little bit talk about a little bit of what the philosophy he's been laying out um, for the, our Illinois State Redbirds going into next season. So, some of the things that he he was talking about during his uh, first. Uh, introduction uh, uh, presser was uh, he, he got into for his coaching philosophy he says simplicity over complexity and um, for his which is basically the, the keep it simple stupid philosophy the kiss um, so I, I really like that idea that you know you know we want to keep it simple and uh, don't don't do complicated things just stay with uh, whatever is simple um, for for his offensive, um, for his offensive philosophy, he says he wants to dominate games with effort and toughness, um, attack uh, both with ball and player movement, um, have a great pace, value efficiency, um, impose ourselves physically on our opponents, and work inside out, side to side, and uh, through the paint. Um, is there anything you'd like to say in addition to that, Steve? Yeah, so we start talking about inside out. I'm sure that's music to uh, Pemberton's ears, right? Made a living in that post. Yeah, so I mean, the first thing I think about is uh, having a big that not only can post up, you know, do some screens and stuff like that, but a big that can receive the ball and, and then, you know, pass it out efficiently uh, uh, to the teammates. And, and so when you, when you start playing through that post uh, um, and you got a, a offensive weapon that can score and pass it out, especially when it's starting to get those double teams, your offense is, is much more effective. And, you know, I think the one thing, you know, we can kind of call it here is, um, you know, with that philosophy in Ohio State, they're in the top 25 in offensive efficiency the, the, the past five years. So that's, that's pretty impressive. So that means, we talk about offensive efficiency. We're talking about how many points you would score in, in 100 possessions. So it's not necessarily how fast you play, but each possession, you know, you, you get, you don't have a turnover, and, and you score, and and that that's the difference, uh, you know, with efficiency. 
Yeah, and we, you know, um, taking the ball into the post, I complain to you guys all the time when I don't see, a, we come down and get just a quick three. There's times in the in the transition that, you know, a wide open three, you can't pass that up. But from my teachings, right, the ball went into the post and we were always trying to kick that out so that guys were catching and stepping into the shot, right? Body motion forward. Um, I know players today have much better range than we did, right? Let's be honest, my freshman year, there wasn't even a three-point line when I started at Illinois State, right? We had a 45-second shot clock, so um, very different game, slower-paced. But it's, it's opened the whole middle up, too, right, John? It does, for the drive, yeah. yeah. So in some respects, it makes the post less important, and in other respects, it makes it more important, right? Right. To have that post that can plug it up, and you got to do it single-handedly. I mean, you know, from you know, myself, I had big Drod Coleman and Sonny Roberts and big Scott Fowler, right? We just got done with episode one, and Dan was loving Leroy, and Rico Hill, right? Again, two of the best tandem bigs to play at ISU. Um, you got Jackie, the karate expert, right? Kicking guys in the face. I mean, you got to love that, Jackie, you know, Carmichael. Um, and even on that, you know, team that he was talking about when we beat Wichita State in 16, I think it was, where he took the timeout against Greg Double G, as he referred to him. Um, with with Mac, right? Mac Daddy going down through the post, and and he plugged up that lane, and Hawkins could come in and, and provide some help. So, I'll be excited to see what he uh, brings in and how he goes at it. Um, yeah, and the other thing we start talking about side to side, you know, getting that defense to rotate, right? So, you know, John is uh, defense, right? You, you rotate, and, and then the weak side starts coming down, right? Yep. But if you can rotate that ball back around to the other side efficiently, quickly, that's when you, you start to see people chase the ball and you get out of sorts. So, you know, those are two things when he talked about, you know, inside out, okay, which yep. really um, um, improves your three-point per, uh, shooting percentage inside out. And then the side to side, get that defense to start chasing and make them work. Make them work. Yeah, make them focus for the 24-second or 25-second shot clock. I always forget what it is today and age. Um, 30 now. Oh, 30. Uh, 30, thank you. Thank you, guys. I was thinking the NBA. Sorry, watch That's the okay. NBA last night. I like shooting at 25 so we don't go down to the last couple seconds. So 24 yeah, seconds. Force something up, yeah, force something up stupid when we didn't get a good you know movement. But, yeah, force that defense to focus um, for those full 30 seconds, right? And then – you know, hopefully you get a breakdown and get a nice clean open look, and that's what you want, right? Or you get a breakdown and you get a nice slash to the basket. Um, how many times, you know, in the Valley Tournament, then when I look, I don't turn to you guys and say, oh, my God, that guy's cold. Just go to the rack and dunk it, right? Get to the free throw line, you know, because once you go cold, it becomes 99% mental. Um, you've done this thousands of times in the last couple weeks let alone the later lifetime you can make those shots right you just start to get in your own head and so you get to the rack and you get a layup in you get a dunk in you get fouled right you get to see the ball go down and you get that confidence back and then you're off to the races so um excellent work john we're gonna want to 
jump in on the we wanted to talk a little bit about the whole offense one coach doing offense and one coach doing defense yeah i think um, uh you know at ohio state our head coach our new head coach was was responsible for the offense right and i think he's he's bringing over a new philosophy i mean we had a little bit the last couple of years right with brian jones but um in general it, it seems like or appears to be that one assistant coach is going to be responsible for the offense. Another one's going to be responsible for the defense. And and that's a little bit different. And, and maybe, John, you could tell them, like, a little bit contrast to, like, in your playing days when you had the three head – or, excuse me, three assistant coaches, what their roles were. Yeah, and so – and the way I played under and probably the way Dan did, you know, under Coach Stallings and Coach Richardson and even probably into Porter Moser's time, right, um, your three assistants were on the road. So – like the the first game we were getting ready for um, beginning of the year, your other two assistants might or might not be at practice um, because they're out scouting. Now, go back to my time, right? The only way you're going to see tape was on stone tablets, right? We had VHS players, we had Betamax, right? right? So, you know, it was hard to get tape. Um, and I learned that the year I broke my foot, my junior year, when we had the first, I was the captain of that team also, that was our first losing season as a Division One program, and that was that 88-89 season. But um, I would tag along with coaches and go down to Eastern or Western and get VHS tapes of games against teams that they had already played that we were scheduled to play. We were always trading tapes, and if it needed to be quick. Otherwise, they were dropping them and, and mailing them to each other. Um, but... Those coaches would be out, and then, the, you know, when it came to the, the, let's say we were playing Creighton and Coach AJ, you know, I had Mark Swart, I had Anthony Jones and um, Parker Laquetta toward the end. Uh, Coach Smith uh, uh, recruited me, and he went on to become a State Farm agent, uh, and Pat Cunningham, those were the two that recruited me. But they would be gone. So it would be, you know, uh, we'll take AJ and Coach Swart and Coach Laquetta, you know, I would have AJ doing Creighton, right? And then Zwart would be at practice and Laquetta would be gone because he'd be out scouting somebody, right? And then the next game, you know, Mark, Coach Zwart would be in charge. AJ would be gone and Laquetta would kind of be the second chair. Um, and Mark would be kind of, Coach Zwart would be kind of calling and, and, and telling Do Coach Donawald, hey, this or that, right? Because he memorized all the players, right? And, and like Dan said, you know, in episode one, oh, this guy's got his hand, handle on the strength. We were hearing that stuff all the time. Can't go left. Can't go right. If you talk to him, he'll forget about what play he's running, right? And I mean, so, um, you know, that's the way it is. And so that was a great time. All right. So, yeah, and I mean, I think technology, people don't have to travel, right? They, they got to film. 100%. But, but the philosophy didn't change where – you know, the advanced scouting, well, you may didn't, didn't have to get on the road. The One coach would be responsible for one game, next coach for, for the next game. And you know that was true because, like, before the pregame shows, right, John Diner, like, we'd be driving up to uh, ISU for a basketball game, and it was rotating. You could tell which coach would come on, okay, and had the, the advanced scouting report, and they, they were on the pregame show, you know, talking about that. So, so that's where, you know, philosophically I think there's this, this big change, right? Technology is one thing you don't have to get on the road, but the philosophical difference where you're going to have someone there that's in charge of the offense or the primary person 
primary person, almost like football, like a defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, and then you're, you're going to come together and put the game plan together. That's different, and, and that, that's interesting. And, and you have a different game plan for every team you play, right? Right. Depending on do we have a box and one this guy, or we're going to do a triangle and two, or we straight up man, right? Under Bender, we win those other things. So, all right, great first segment for episode two. Show and tell today is my very yellow, it's turning yellow, guys, but that is the shirt they handed us when we won the championship. And so you see all those players getting hats and shirts. We didn't get a hat, but we did get a shirt. So um, my my mom and dad were in the stands. My wife, Robin, who was my girlfriend at the time. So I just tossed that over to them. Um, and so that's what happened to that. So now we're going to go to a quick break while we pull in number 24, Kyle Cartmill. Hello and welcome back to IHU Redbirds podcast episode two. We are here with the man, the myth, the legend, Kyle Cartmill. He is uh, the other half of the, the great shot and what an awesome pass he made there against Tennessee. And today we are chatting with Kyle. Kyle, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. How is everybody here? Doing wonderful, doing man. Awesome, Ready? Doing running. So we're gonna get into this. We don't even we don't even waste because fans really don't want to hear from us three knuckleheads. They want to hear them from you. <laughs> and so, where, where do you want to start, big man? Well, it sounds like we're talking about our playing days. So I mean, just kind of reminiscing about all the good times that we had as Redbirds and the brotherhood and camaraderie and uh, the relationships that we still have to this day. I gotta tell everybody. Even though I played in a really traditional, rich high school in Quincy, um, and I played with a lot of my family members, I'm a lot closer to my college teammates than I am even uh, even to those team uh, teammates I had in college. And I grew up playing from grade school all the way up to high school with those guys. But the connection that you had, that you built at Illinois State, uh, you know, being that you do everything together. You go to other people's arenas, and you're the only people that you can win. So you the world. Uh, the blood, sweat, and tears in, in practices, the beatdowns, the, you know, pulling people along. I mean, it, it's just it just really built a really strong bond between all of us. It is. It is. And, and it's even between generations, right? I can pick up the phone and talk to you, and we just start laughing about you know, whatever. My, my stories are almost the same as yours. And I called Gerard last night because he's going to be our th guest for our third episode. And that's my boy, right? Him and I are two posts in the middle. And uh, um, so, yeah, it's great. So, okay. Which game you want to start off with? Uh, I guess we started my first college game. Actually, I actually had something. The first time I met you, was it at the CRC? It was at CRC. I thought. Yep. So yep. Basketball related. We first met at work. <laughs> yep. Yep. I actually I had played with you, and I don't think you remember. I played with you during the summers uh, between '95 and 2000, um, and, and and it talked. But I was an ex-player coming in, right? And so, you know, you guys were. Uh, again, I had Leroy and Rico usually to deal with, right? And, and being seven years out of playing shape, you know how that is, right? playing shape comes and goes so darn quickly right. right and then to try to get back onto that court 
um, in play. So, but yeah, the first time you really start talking is when uh, we met at, at State Farm. And so um, I came up and introduced myself to you and you probably were looking at this big dude going, uh, do you play football at ISU or did you? <laughs> well, I think you had to play ball. Once you introduced yourself, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a big history person and tradition. So coming from, again, coming from Quincy, where yep. everybody that's played through Quincy, we are all tight. Like uh, yep. back to the Douglases before the Douglases. I mean, everybody played under Coach Hanks, and and that's carried over to Illinois State. Like all the guys that I've met that came in when Ace Scott Taylor used to come through. Yep. Vandergaard, uh, Kegel would come through. Uh, I mean, you. I, even though I don't remember you playing with us, but uh, <laughs> that memorable. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. They were back quicker than I was. So I yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Todd would have, Todd Wimmer would have brought him back, right, to run with you. And so yeah. he would have been, what, four years older than you or five? He's five. Five. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. So that's yeah. a legend right there. In yeah. <laughs> Quincy, yeah. <laughs> and at ISU. Yeah, he is. He's on our list. We'll have him. Uh, Got to do one player at a time, right? And then just started down the list and, and going. So, all right. So let's get let's get you back on track. Yeah, um, you want to talk about the first game with James Madison? Yeah, first game with James Madison. So it was my first game where I actually took a flight to get to the game. Uh, so uh, first college game, we flew to Puerto Rico. So that's just amazing to begin with that your first college game, you're on a nice tropical island while everybody's freezing back at home. During the <laughs> but I remember the first game just realizing the pace of the game was just so much different. The guys were bigger, they're stronger, faster. I mean, just the intensity. I mean, everything was just so much different from being the guy in high school to like, uh, I might not see the court. <laughs> mm -hmm. oh, yeah. I mean, this is real going to Division One basketball. Uh, pretty close game. We ended up losing by one point in that game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, um, one point. One point. But the one thing I remember is coming into the locker room after we lost, and we all came in, our heads were down, but we weren't really – well, the seniors and people that were there before were kind of down. Me and Rico didn't know any better. <laughs> and in Puerto Rico they had a big bowl or like a big table of fruit and things to eat and snacks in it. so Rico comes <laughs> and grabs a banana and starts eating on it so Coach Stallings walks in and sees Rico eating his banana he starts eating his banana and he just rips in the Rico I'm going to clean this up and he's like Rico stop feeding your Face is a gravy train. <laughs> Rico is mid by the stop, and the whole time the coach is talking from that point, he has his banana just hanging out of his mouth, afraid to chew. <laughs> so, so I remember that vividly because it's like, oh wow, this is really different. And I think might be the first time, even though we've had practice, that Coach Stallings was really into that intense game. Mm -hmm. He just lost the game. Mode. That's that's my first time seeing that side of him. It was a, it was a lesson. Uh, <laughs> we come back in, uh, <laughs> but kind of understanding you know the intensity that he has and how serious and how uh, competitive he is. 
Yeah. Awesome. Next one. What do you want to go next? Uh, the next big game, I remember Cincinnati. And that was the first time played on ESPN. And that game, at that time, I think Cincinnati was in some polls number five in the nation. So, number five. Wow. Top number five. Two, number yeah. two in some of them. Um, really possibly trending towards number one. But, I mean, they had a team of – I mean, everybody looked like football players with the exception of, I think, the guy's name was Damon Flint. But uh, you had uh, Danny Fortson, Art Long, uh, Melvin Levitt was on that team. Uh, Keith Legree, their point guard, who was a little bit taller than me, but he was going 210. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and helping guard that dude, I mean, it, it, it was something there. But I remember that because one time, again, it was the first game on ESPN. And that game started at either 11 o'clock p.m. or midnight. And it was like a big pajama party is what they had. So I remember the cheerleaders were wearing pajamas and sometimes less than pajamas over there. (laughs) 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 But uh, playing like a really high-level Division I team for the first time and seeing what it takes to actually get to that level, actually feeling the strength of those guys, uh, it was crazy. We started out really, really good, too. I think Kenny Wright might have had – a nice dunk or something to begin with, and we were pre- we started pretty strong, and then it just got out of the hand really quickly. Um, I also remember Kenneth Pearson at the end of the game when we when it was scrub time, and I was part of scrub time at this part. <laughs> <laughs> You're a freshman, yeah, been there, done that. Yeah, so I remember going catching the, I guess getting a steal coming down, and it was me and Kenneth Pearson on a two on one with Melvin Levitt. Now I don't know if you remember Melvin Levitt, but the dude had pogo sticks for legs. <laughs> He's probably about 6'3", but uh, I was going to the basket, and I tossed it to Kenneth coming down the lane, and KP just took off from just inside the three-point line and put Melvin Levitt up in the basket. (laughs) (laughs) So that was kind of our highlight from it because there's nothing else really that was a highlight. (laughs) 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 The scenery was really nice, but, but yeah, it was a cool situation there and again my family getting a chance to see me play on tv tv for the first time even if it was a little bit it was just it was really cool really cool yeah how do you, how yeah. Do you prep for a game when it starts at 11 o'clock i mean you guys have like a routine right if the games yeah. are like six seven does, does that just like mess you up or yeah it threw us off completely so uh... well that's why the score was like that otherwise you guys would have won right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're an hour ahead. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, so yeah, it was it was it was different. But uh, I mean, you just think that hey, a lot of times you don't think about it before you go to the game. You just go and play. Yeah, and that's what we tried to do. But it probably had a bigger factor than than we like to think it did. It's also like when you get the noon game on ESPN, right? right? That's a horrible game to play in also, right? Because the coaches are getting you up at like 6.30. Yeah. You're getting a little bit of food. Right. They're getting you to do a shoot-around at 7.30. You're a college kid. I could still be asleep at 7.30, <laughs> right? And so if, it, if, it's, it, if it's Monday through Friday and classes don't start to 8, I'm still asleep at 7.30. I'm still asleep at 7.45. going to race the class, right? And so um, that was always a tough one yet, too. All right. Awesome. Do you want to talk about that? Dan talked about that NIT game with Wisconsin. Let's hear your your, your thoughts. I mean, he kind of hit the nail on the head just going in that atmosphere and 
playing up there. I, I don't know. I, I guess as a, at my age and it's knowing it's Wisconsin, it's a Big Ten team. And I think it was the first Big Ten team that we played. Not really knowing how it was going to go. Um, kind of nervous about it. And um, just playing in that atmosphere it was loud. And that old barn was just <laughs> goodness gracious. It's, I mean, it was an electric atmosphere, but it was. It looked like an old Big Ten arena. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. But, I mean, the way that we played, the way we came out, just, I don't know what got into us that day, but uh, it, we we really brought it that game. And like Dan said, I remember that too, as far as talking about that, the contingency of Illinois State people there that were behind our bench that were just loud. I mean, I can remember just hearing them chant and singing the fight song and just, I mean, really, really being there and, and pushing us on. And as the lead kept growing and growing, I just, they just kept getting louder and louder. And our confidence grew. And, I mean, it was just one of the most fun times, I think, that we've had uh, up to that point was going into somebody, going into a Big Ten arena like that and taking on the big dogs and actually coming out with a win. Uh, I mean, that locker room was electric after, after that game. I mean, we were, we were on cloud nine. Yeah, awesome game, right? That was your sophomore year, so so now you're, you're so Kyle, we got to ask you about you, you. That was a great wait. Team. Wait, is it, was that freshman year, guys, or was that his sophomore year? No, it was freshman year when he went to Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Sorry, everybody. Sophomore. Okay, or freshman. Yep, yep. Yeah, his freshman year. Yeah, freshman. It was your freshman year. Yeah, yeah. It was your freshman year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because we had because Mo was on our team, so yeah. It was our freshman year. So, so, so that that was a great team win, right? But oh yeah. You, you got to tell us about that uh, Wisconsin Green Bay game, though, right? <laughs> we're not we're not letting you get off this podcast <laughs> without talking about that game. <laughs> wow. I don't know if uh, I ever told you about that one. Oh, sorry, we about to say, John. I I told you they're true fans, right? So. <laughs> They're the ones who reminded me of the game I had totally forgotten. Then, then we started looking it up. So let's hear it, big man. Let's go. Man, the Wisconsin-Green Bay game. First of all, I didn't realize that there was nothing in, in Green Bay. Like, there's but what are you talking There's the Packers are in Green Bay. <laughs> Steve's a Packers fan. He can, like you said, there's yeah. nothing in Green Bay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the storage room for the people that work the parking lot. It looked like <laughs> <laughs> there was but and back then you're at Brown County Arena, right? Right across from uh Lambeau Field. Yep, that's exactly yep. where we're at. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we played that game. We were we didn't start out very hot at all. I mean <laughs> it was not the best start that we had. And I think it was around December twentieth, twenty first, something like that. It was right before Christmas. So we go into the locker room, and Coach Stallings is hot. I mean, <laughs> we say hot as fish grease. <laughs> he comes in there and says, if you bleepity bleeps don't compete and win this, <laughs> none of you are going home for Christmas. You can forget seeing your families. <laughs> and I, don't, I can't remember at halftime seeing so many watery eyes at that time <laughs> <laughs> to see their families 
until the, the end of the basketball season. <laughs> so we come out in the second half, and we uh, we play a lot better. So it's not great, but we're, we're starting to chip away, chip away, chip away. We're getting better and getting better. So the end of the game comes, and I think we – I can't remember if we were down at that time, but it was getting close to the end of the game. And I remember uh, the waning seconds of the game, catching the ball – in the corner behind the three-point line and I'm like there's no way in the world I'm missing this as soon as I got it I just rose up and let that thing loose and I mean anything from the corner to the top of the key or the free throw line I feel like that's my my sweet spot I don't feel like I can I'm gonna miss from me in those areas and that was one of those situations where I caught it there and nothing but net <laughs> <laughs> we ended up winning that game based off of that shot then it'd be in the game when you shot and uh, once we got into the locker room it was the biggest celebration I got the most <laughs> Joe Hine I remember him coming to me crying thanking me <laughs> <laughs> I mean people got to the airport and just immediately went home We everybody went their separate directions <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah I remember that just just uh one of those times where you actually had a game-winning shot that kind of sticks out in your mind because of the fact that what was at stake? <laughs> Christmas. Did. Christmas, yeah. I mean, Christmas. There, there was no other time we were going to go home after that. No, no. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm, I was one that kind of got homesick because I was I'm a big mama's boy. So, um, yeah, it was, that was a, a real solid big memory for me is making that shot. It was a great shot. All right, we're rolling on. We're going to hit next one, Iowa State. Now, you told us as we were doing a little prep here that you thought you guys got blown out, and then now you went back and rewatched it on the website, on the YouTube channel that we have. Yeah. And take us through that. What were you thinking? When you, especially when you're watching it now. I was, well, there's a couple of things that stuck out. I was like, we actually played a pretty good game uh, compared to what I thought, because I really thought that we were just – like Kelvin Cato was just handing it to us left and right, which he was. He was. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we were in it. Um, I, I only took one shot that game. It was a three-pointer, but I actually hit it. Um, so I was excited about that. I got a block shot, a couple rebounds. Uh, I mean, we really competed in that game, but uh, Cato was just a little bit too much at that time. Uh, he was just a monster on the boards. Uh, I don't know how many dunks he had in that game. And I think I told y'all, I mean, I told y'all in the, the pre-show that, I mean, that game, from all accounts of what I've heard, literally put him in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he got a triple-double in that game. Um, another thing that I realized, I saw it and I didn't remember, but kind of thanks to the video, I made one of the dumbest fouls in the history. <laughs> 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 Where apparently Coach Sollings went in and said, hey, don't foul. Dedrick Willoughby. <laughs> All the people that I decide to foul, who do I foul? I foul Willoughby. <laughs> <laughs> was that the pregame scouting not to foul him? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's like probably one of the best free throw shooters in the nation at that time. In the nation at the time, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and even when we had the time up beforehand, it was just a reminder, hey, don't foul number 22. <laughs> what do I do? Go foul <laughs> times where I've had some bonehead plays during my career, and I was like, yep, I'll never play again. 
Yeah. <laughs> Duquesne was one of them too. We played a lot of we played Duquesne twice. We could never beat them. And I, I had one play at Duquesne where we played at Duquesne where as soon as that play happened and I got in the game, I never saw the court again. It was like the most ridiculous thing ever. It, <laughs> it, it was a pass along the baseline, kind of similar to the one NCAA tournament that I lost. But um, Jamar threw it to me, and he said, Jamar always told me that. I looked at the ball like the ball grew eyes and teeth, and I literally smacked it away from me out of bounds and ran from it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jay Smiley said that to you? Yeah, I was like, like, boy, I don't know what happened to you, but you that look in your eyes when that ball came at you. You looked like the ball grew eyes and teeth, and you literally just smacked it away with two hands out of bounds. <laughs> this is an open court. So, yeah, I, I, I never saw, I never saw the rest of the, the court, the rest of that game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a break here, and we're going to queue up the video for the last couple minutes of the Tennessee game, so we can review that with Kyle. So, Mr. Engineer, take us to break. Take it away. All right, so we got the free throw here. Did the pause on me? Sorry, it's a little choppy. So. Yeah, it will. Yeah, it will be choppy. Yeah, so it will look better in post. So this is us in our zone, and I have to disagree with Dan. The reason we're probably mostly in the zone is because I was on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Dan said, "Faltro, no, co-stars in the zone whenever I was on the floor because he knew." In Quincy, we played zone, and I was a horrible man-to-man -man defender <laughs> until my senior year. So that's why we're in. <laughs> I would call BS, but if you want to tell the joke, we're laughing. It's good. So, yeah, so got a lot of play. There's that penetration there, and I've just completely missed right there on my assignment. And that put back there. Yeah, that was their big guy. Yeah. We missed a couple of cues on. Tragic Johnson. Nice. There guy. was big Leroy. Now. So, Leroy kind of had the nickname. We kind of used to call him Tragic Johnson sometimes. Because uh, he really wanted to be a point guard. <laughs> you, he's not a bad ball handler and he can handle it and get to the basket and I mean most of the time he's going out lane nobody wants part of that as you can see part of like the Red Sea <laughs> but uh, big time move big clutch move we needed that basket at that time uh, I mean big lead just coming through now did you hear our, our, our theory did you watch the Dan episode did you hear our theory we played that. Man, come on. <laughs> come, you know I got to defend my bigs, man. I'm a big. Us post guys, we protect you little guys, man. That's just the way it works, man, right? Y'all give us confidence. I mean, it's from inside. So, if you guys are handling the business, we can be confident and be something. We have our swagger, too. Appreciate you. <laughs> well played well played all right here we go hit play again all right 31 seconds to go so i really wish we would have got this stop <laughs> uh, 
And really, you watch Leroy's. That's a charge, right? It was. They just didn't call it. But you know, during that time of the game, they're not going to usually call that. I mean, it's really iffy. Uh, it should have been, but you know, referees are going to be like, I don't want. I don't want the game to be decided based off of my whistle. So I understand. I hundred percent agree with you. I'd much rather them not call that and keep their whistles in the pocket and let us make and let you guys make the play at the end, right? So. And that was probably the most. That's probably one of the least physical plays of that game. I mean, this game was physical. Did you see the shot right there of the young Kyle, Kyle Cartmill right there? I'll make sure I highlight on that. Did you look how young you look, dude? Right there. It still had a little bit. Still had hair in the line. Still <laughs> 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 in shape. I mean, I had a two or. Maybe it's four-pack at that time. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Steve's got the ball. Yeah. What are you thinking? I'm thinking the ball's going to Rico, and that's what we're trying to do. We're going to get the ball to Rico, and once Rico gets the ball, it's kind of like, all right, we know he's shooting. Now, on my side over there, there is no way in the world I would have seen Dan, and as you can see, Rico's taking shot because Rico was just like, hey, I'm going to put the ball in my hands, and I'm going to take this over. Uh Looking back now, after the way that you put that nice little triangle there, probably been easier to get to Dan earlier. And probably, kind of know Dan's always going to find his way where find the right spot to be and make the right play. So, um, and this play when Rico was driving, I was actually coming to the ball because I saw you know he's about to get trapped. But then as he drove my way, I was trying to change directions quickly and didn't do it fast enough. And next thing I know, I looked up, the ball was in my hand. So okay. once the ball goes in my hand, I'm on attack mode. The first thing I'm thinking is attack the basket. Um, as I'm headed to the basket, I see one of the guys, uh, one of the big guys come over and actually head my direction. And lo and behold, Dan's still open. So it was pretty easy to make that pass because Dan would just put himself in the right position. And uh, he kind of shielded himself off from Brandon Warden coming down to where uh, he would be too late to get to the play. He would just go by him and it would just be an easy layup. So. Dan doing what Dan does. And we had a little debate about this uh, in our pre-recording for the little 10-minute segment before. Don't you think there's a little bit of a benefit, the fact that you guys played four years together, right? Knowing what each other's strengths and weaknesses are, right? Just like, like you said, you were able to quick up, pick up quickly that Rico was coming towards you. You start to back off to give him space. Mm-hmm. Right, and then again, and we also said, I believe Kyle, your game would translate into the modern game very nicely because of your ability to hit the three and you're, you're such a good slasher and free throw shooter, right? Your ability to get to the basket. Um, other people like me, my game would not have translated, right? I'm a double post kind of guy and they just don't do double posts. So um, you taking the ball to the rack, that was awesome. All right, I wanted to show one other piece to this that, um, I always find awesome, so I'm going to look up. My wife always gets mad when I do this. Um, and again, the um, the uh, testament to you guys, seeing you guys go down the court after the basket, because there's no timeouts, right? In today's day and age, we were talking about how many timeouts there would have been. There would have been a TV timeout. There would have been an out-of-bounds. There would have been a clock timeout. Coaches have such the time to prepare, which really makes me frustrated with current-day players when they can't figure out nine seconds later what they need to do. 
right? Here, you guys, 15 seconds, you bring the ball in, get it to Rico, Rico gets it to you, you get it to Dan, and immediately you guys are thinking, what's next, right? And so as you see this, you can see you guys all running down the court. Yeah, first thing we're going to do is look at the clock <laughs> because we've been trained to do that. And it's kind of funny as you show the, the guys actually when they all had their head turned uh, to the left or actually to their right looking for the ball and then when the ball turns, their head simultaneously turns the same direction. That's just how we, that's just how we were trained. And that's just, you know, playing together and knowing kind of. And you're just over on the, if you look at this, you're just over on the, on the screen to the right of this situation. And I'll clean this up in post because you're the one, I can see you, right? You're over here making that pass over on that right side, just uh, left of Lee, I'm sorry, left of Lee, uh, Rico and, and, and uh, Leroy. Mm -hmm. um, and so you can see you take off too, but they all focus on these guys here in the middle. It's just a different angle because, you know, in the NCAA, you have so many more cameras, right? And so. Um, yeah, so I saw them go there, and my thing was, okay, somebody's got to get to the basket. So I shot down to the basket knowing I was the fastest player on the team. I figured I can get to the basket just in case someone came down there. Um, and uh, luckily, Dan contested the shot. They missed it. I caught that last rebound and threw it into somebody's <laughs> room in the uh, <laughs> so, But yeah, I mean, that's just the way we're trained. Coaches, we did a lot of time management um, drills. Uh, we knew it if it was 10 seconds or before, you know, we're going, or if it's 10 seconds after, you may call a timeout. We just, uh, these are just things we, we've been trained in and things that have been drilled in our head. Coach always wanted to put us in the best position to be successful. And he knows in those situations, especially if it's like a little bit more than 10 seconds, it's best for us to just bring it up the court before the defense gets a chance to set. And then we go at it. Um, if we needed some more time or if it's less time, uh, we're going to go ahead and set something up uh, to make sure we're being very strategic about what we're going to do with the ball. And then uh, when you get Coach Stallings into a huddle, I mean, he is an X and O genius. And um, even though we didn't practice a lot of stuff that he drew up, the thing that we didn't practice is we would actually practice making sure that we translate what he's putting on the board into the spots that we're supposed to be on the court and making sure that we're right. um, doing that to a T. Because if he draws it up and we're where we're supposed to be, I mean, it's going to work in <laughs> most occasions. Right, it. right. Yeah. Well, Kyle, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Um, this is our second episode of ISU Redbirds podcast. Uh, I'm hoping you'll spread the word to your other teammates that because we'll be looking for more guys to have this. Um, anytime you want to come back, you know my number, right? Hit me through work or hit me up on a text or call me. Love to have you back. This was awesome. Um, and this is a wrap for episode two. That's your cue, Mr. Engineer.